1: to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is an emergency edition of the Managing Madrid podcast and uh, we know now that Julian Lopetegui has somewhat surprisingly been appointed as the Real Madrid manager and extra special for this podcast. To help me break down is one of the greatest writers in Spanish football history, Phil Ball. Phil, how are you doing?
0: Um, fine, thank you. Thank you for that. It's. Uh, I'll have to try and live up to your... Um Expectations. I, I think <laughs> you already have.
1: I, regardless of what happens in this podcast, you've, you're playing with house money at this point. You're a successful author. You've written three Spanish football books, and uh, and all three of them great. And now you're expanding on the White Storm. Right? You were telling me off air. That's new, right. Yeah. New, air to- yeah. new chapter coming in.
0: New chapter coming in. Yeah, and out in September for the the Spanish version anyway. But it, it might go back rebound onto the English version. Yeah.
1: Um, are you surprised at? Uh, how rapidly you've had to update the book, I guess, Spanish version, at least in the past, like, four, four or five years with the amount of trophies that Real Madrid have won all of a sudden?
0: No, to be honest, because uh, Real Madrid is that kind of club, you know. I mean, if you if you take them from the year 2000, you've got... <laughs> there are so many events, so many different people, Perez, different presidents, different events, different eras, galacticals, God knows this, God knows that, different managers. I think it's the... The nature of the club, its dynamic nature, if you like, and the way that it has to keep reinventing itself. Now, I'm not surprised to be honest. I, I was waiting for the call from the from the publishers.
1: <laughs> the White Storm was written in 2002, I believe. That was, when was the, original,
0: the original version for the British market was 2002. Yeah, which was the the year of the centenary, which was the reason for writing it. Yeah,
1: then. So you then you wrote the book about Beckham 2004. I think it was the Englishman's journey or something like that. Forgive me, I don't an remember the word. Abroad. Yeah, an Englishman
0: yeah. abroad. Um,
1: yeah. It's interesting to note, so in 2002, Real Madrid were essentially on top of the world. Um, 2004, it's like when Florentino maybe pushed the limits, went a bit too far with the Beckham signing. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from from that because in 2002 when you wrote it that was Real Madrid were just flying Um and even mm-hmm. 2003 they were good Um they were semi-finals of the champions they got to me that was their best year even though they didn't win the, the European crown it was unfortunate Figo missed the penalty in Turin 2004 Beckham comes do you just feel like that was how big of a blow was that to just Florentino's legacy at that moment not in hindsight at that moment
0: well, of course, uh, what was interesting about the whole Beckham affair was that you know he was the, I guess he was the icing on the Galactico cake. You know, the Zidane had come before that. Like you've got Figo, the, this idea of the, you know, the Galactico era was, was symbolized, if you like, uh, by Beckham. Uh, and I think everybody was in Spain was just a bit suspicious of him. And I, I was, again, I was asked to write the book. I, I was asked to write the book by Random House, and they wanted a He wanted a perspective on Beckham's first year. You know, the book was never meant to sell for years, but um, but I said yes because it was a fascinating kind of uh, idea. That uh, that, that it's difficult to remember. It's difficult to cast your mind back, but you know, Beckham was so big. He was the biggest. He was just massive. He was everywhere at that time. (laughs) I can't quite think of a parallel at the moment, but you couldn't escape the guy. It wasn't just football. He was just everywhere. You know, so and so that was a very special signing. But the thing is that because he was such a huge figure in the media in general the uh, the Real Madrid fans who, who you know in general don't like that kind of play you know they're like they're like uh, they like players to be skillful but they like players to be committed there's this big thing about that's again that's a point about Madridismo you know and they were suspicious of him but he won them over you know and so I don't think that uh, Perez was criticized in any way for that it's just that it was a kind of confluence of events. Uh, you know, McAleary left because Beckham came, or well, at the same time as Beckham came, and the, the structure of the team in general suffered. But uh, I, I personally think Beckham did pretty well. I think he was, uh, he developed as a player. I think he, and he was liked by the Real Madrid supporters. It was extraordinary. He was, he was very popular. You know, and they didn't, they didn't expect to like him as much as they did. You know, so I, I don't think Perez was seen as making a mistake there, but, you know, he, when the prayers go, he left in two thousand six. He had that kind of three year sabbatical, didn't he? That was on the back of the particular thing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was Beckham it was the element. I think it was much more general events, if you like. And yeah. of course, the, the rise of Barça.
1: Well, I don't. I, I was personally, I was happy for Beckham that he wasn't the one vilified in all this um, because what we quickly learned about him as he came in and through no fault of his own and what happened to the rest of the team and Makalele leaving and stuff uh, he was incredibly professional throughout the whole thing he worked really hard and he played good like you, you mentioned it. and I think even like years later when like the old Galacticos had moved on and and it was essentially him and Van Nisori was in the team and, and even at that moment in 2006 he played well so yeah I I think I think what what I was happy that he was vindicated in that sense did you get a sense when you wrote the book did you did you also kind of just get a sense that he really was all in on this project and he was committed and professional
0: yeah right I mean at the beginning it was extraordinary because I was writing the book really you know as 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 it was happening you know that was the idea and uh, and when I began there was I I was careful about my tone to begin with because I thought well this might change and it did and I sort of anticipated it in a sense, because I, I anticipated it because I knew that Beckham was actually that kind of guy, you know, he wasn't actually some kind of flyby night, you know feathery kind of dude who was just going to turn up and take the money and run, you know, he'd never he, he'd certainly proved at Manchester United that that wasn't the case, I mean it was just that Ferguson had got cross with him for becoming a kind of commercial success, but I, I don't feel even then that he'd, that he'd suffered that much at Man United, so I kind of suspected that he would that he would do that. He's an interesting guy, Beckham. Actually, and you, subsequently, you've seen he's he's not stupid, you know, and uh, he just has that unfortunate way of talking, you know. But um, but uh, but no, I wasn't I wasn't surprised. And as I said, by the time I finished the book, really, I my faith in him, in a sense, had been vindicated. Yeah, absolutely. And that was just after one season. He, he got better and better. And in fact, that last season, if I'm not mistaken, he they won the title, didn't they? He finally got the um, the, um, the trophy that. The championship trophy that he that he sort of deserved, I think, you know, for his
1: performances. I think I think we're about four, maybe five, the last track of time, hours removed from the lopategi announcement. Were you surprised when you heard it?
0: Oh god, yeah, totally. I, I I'm still I'm still recovering from it. Uh, I got home when I was talking to my Fellow football obsessive son about it, you know, and uh, he's, you know, he had his opinions on it. I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised for a number of reasons. You probably, you can probably predict what they are, but you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, mostly surprised because I think it's, it's a strange thing to do uh, two days before the World Cup starts. You know, three days before the game against Portugal. I, I'm not suggesting and uh, that it's going to affect the players, but, but. You don't know. It's very difficult to know what effect it's going to have on the players. It's not that they're going to, they're thinking the Lopotec is no longer interested, but I don't think it was very clever, A, of Real Madrid to announce it. Uh, and I think that the uh, Rubiales, you know, the new, the new president of the Spanish Federation, must be not very happy at this moment as we're speaking. Uh, I, I think it's very, very strange that they've announced it at this very moment. I, I just can't, I just cannot understand it. I just can't, I, I can't see why they didn't keep it under on the, on the wraps. Maybe, well, I, I suspect they haven't kept it under wraps because by announcing it, Florent- Florentino Perez also interests other players that they're interested in signing and also Makes it very clear to the players who are possibly interested in leaving. You see what I mean? So mm. it makes it pretty clear. But surely those players—I well, don't know—could those players have stayed quiet about it? It's difficult to know. I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of going over it in my head. But I'm very surprised. Yeah.
1: So I had the same reaction as you. There was—it uh, was reported today, later, like after it was announced that that six, the six Real Madrid players in the squad knew about it, and uh, one of the non-Madrid players caught wind. And Lopetegui, kind of in a panic, didn't want this to spread, um, you know, kind of secretly and gossip and stuff. He just told Florentino and said, look, you might as well just announce it now. Uh, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I didn't know that, that's interesting. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, I don't, who knows how much truth there is to it, uh, but it it kind of, it's not inconceivable to think that that's what may have happened, but uh, it is very interesting to me, Phil, What happens to the dynamic of the team now? Not that it will be bad, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I would be interested to know. Uh, let's say here's some hypotheticals one, Spain win the world cup great, or they make a deep run, they play well, they lose in the final or semi final, and they get unlucky, and it's and it's and it's fine. Two, they tank 2014 style, which I don't see happening, but let's say they do, then all of a sudden. Florentino has a leash with Lopetegui he say if things don't go right you also failed in the World Cup you're just not a good fit you know the leash becomes a bit shorter in my view it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and how the dynamic of the Spanish squad is affected um, but to your point it's also interesting to see you know does you know I know you're a Real Sociedad fan but does does Odrio Sola all of a sudden have a have a path to Madrid? Uh, you know, all these questions are interesting to me. I, I really, it came out of nowhere. I like the appointment as a Real Madrid fan, but there are so many questions I have and, and I, you know, all of a sudden Spain's World Cup run gets that much more interesting.
0: Uh, it does, yeah. I, I think that everybody's asking the same same questions as you, you know. Uh, I, 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 I don't think yeah, Audrey Othola's position changes, particularly you know, vis-à-vis Lopetegi and uh, but I, I and I, and nobody else is real. Well, Isco, you know, <laughs> um, you know, Isco was making noises a month ago about hey, I'm on the market kind of thing because he wasn't so happy with the way things were going with the Zidane. So, you know, you've got all that stuff as well because the, the whole Zidane bail well, Bale's obviously not involved in this one, but you've got that whole all those issues. I don't think it makes much with sort of, to be honest uh, I think he'll probably play the first game and then he'll be put on the bench I think he'll, he'll bring Cavajal back or he'll play Nacho in front of him you know, but, uh, um, but I think your point about if, if Spain tank uh, Perez, has, Perez would have a you know a, a declining asset on his hands as it were you know he, he would and so in that sense it's it's risky it's, it's very risky I can't see Spain tanking but, but yeah. you know you never know. You never know. It's 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 a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough World Cup this 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 time round. You know, there's four or five sides could win it. And I, I, yeah. Well, if you're right about the reason why it was made public, then they've just got to go with the flow. There's nothing else they can do. And um, I mean, I've seen, I've already seen on social media, you know, this thing about oh, you know, Lopetegui's now got to be. Uh, dealing with Piqué as Spanish captain and this sort of business, and I mean that's pretty pathetic. You know? yeah. I mean that's the kind of pathetic side of social media. I don't really think that's an issue, but but the media is going to make it into an issue. And, and of course, you know, again, we, that's the way it is. So he's going to have to deal with it. There's going to be some fallout, and he's only got three days to prepare, get rid of that fallout, and play this game against Portugal. That, that's the tricky one, you know. They they, they need to be yeah. mentally you know, mentally uh, prepared for that game without all this stuff going, flying around, you know.
1: Um, irrespective of the, the timing of the announcement and all this and the, the noise of the national team, what do you think of the fit itself, like just in a vacuum? Do you, do you think it's a good fit for Madrid?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think I like Lopetegui. He's Basque. I would do. <laughs> he's from um, he's from a little town called Astiasu, which is next, which is a population of one and a half thousand, uh, one and a half thousand people, and it's uh, he's the first, um, certainly the first Real Madrid coach to come from there, and as my son said, probably the last, you know. it's that is really cool, you know. I mean, he's a Basque speaker. He's is very Basque, although he, he didn't he you know he actually played for Real Madrid once. He he was a goalkeeper. Uh, he played for the B team. He never quite made it because he was always behind uh, better, better keepers. If you like, the same happened to him when he went to to Barca. He played for both of them. He knows the club. He was the he, he trained the B the B team. People forget about this. You know, he's uh, he knows he knows the scene there. At least he knew it in the past, so it gives him some kind of foot in there. And I think it's, I think he's uh, I like him. I think he's a he's a good trainer. I think he's got a pretty good record. Uh, he's he was very much liked. He's very much liked by the squad at the moment. Well, <laughs> until today, maybe. <laughs> uh, he's a straight talker. Doesn't mess around. I think he's also built on the Del Bosque's legacy very well. He was not an easy guy to follow, but I think he's given the team a bit more, a bit more speed, a bit more, a bit more verticality. If, that's, if that noun exists, uh, they've retained the essence of. How they play, but there's something slightly more exciting about the way they play. I like their their, their style at the moment, you know. and uh, and there's people coming through. I think he's dealt very well with you know the the promising players like Saul, for example. It's bringing them Andrea Fora. You mentioned him already. Uh, I, I I think it's a good fit. Yeah, I think I think that uh, he can he can deal. He, he's a very strong personality. He can deal with Real Madrid. It, You know whether Real Madrid can deal with him or not. Well, let's have a let's have a look. But I don't think it's a a bad fit at all. I don't. I think that the Real Madrid supporters will just be going, you know, what, you know, WTF? What the hell? He's not. I don't think um, it's a small. He's a small name manager anymore. You know, you, you might have. They might have been looking around for a big name, but big names, big names come with big problems. You know, like Benitez, for example. Uh, I think he's he could be a very very clever signing actually. Uh, I'm, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think it's cool. I'm just very surprised that that it's happened now.
1: the 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 little the little known fact that you just brought up is is exactly a little known fact. the the part about his playing career. Yeah. I I don't know how many Real Madrid fans actually realize he played one game for Real Madrid and that's it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was in the uh, I think it was in the 1991 season. I could be wrong, but he he yeah. he was at Real Madrid from 88 to 91. That's right. And his one appearance came at the very end of the season when Real Madrid were already champions in, in a in a draw against Atleti, and that was it. And then yeah. he moved on. So three years, yeah. one appearance. Um, I I agree with you in terms of I think he's a good signing. I. It came out of left field and I remember making my short list of people I thought would be a good choice. He was in the conversation, but I never had him in there as a realistic choice because I'd never thought it would even just it would be on Florentino's radar. I thought maybe he you know, but it's clear to me one, I think there would a, a couple of the names mentioned as really good fit um, you know, throughout certain circles. One was Klopp and one was Pocatino. Both would have been very complicated, if not impossible, to get right now. So the shortlist was naturally narrowed. And I think what Lopetegui brings is a good ease of transition where he already coaches like six of these players, knows the team well, has a good track record of developing youngsters, um, playing a certain style. And I think one yeah. of the criticisms, two two criticisms that I've seen, Phil, about him just today on Twitter one is that he's not versatile enough and he only plays a certain way. You know, I mean like if you you look at this entire Spanish qualification process, he's rolled out a false 9, he's rolled out a pure 9, he's rolled out a 352, a 433. Three. He has multiple ways of playing and I like his direct approach. I like the idea that he presses high and you know does this counter press and I think the other thing the other criticism we had, which I think is kind of fair, is that at the club level with Porto you know he had the reins to do to do things, and he just he he didn't live up to it. But maybe the experience now with Spain just makes him a better candidate. I think it's hard to say either way, but I do think that the the good signs outweigh the bad signs for me.
0: I don't know what they expected of him in you know, Portugal. I I don't think he did that badly, you know. <clears throat> um And uh, it was a tricky appointment. I think uh, I think he did okay. You know. Uh, you could argue that he hasn't got that, you know, big track record like Klopp or someone. Or, yeah, Pochettino. I mean, that that was, he was the obvious. Well, he was the guy who had been fingered for some time, you know, as the as the uh, as a successor. I mean, they, the poor old Madrid have been waiting, waiting, waiting for Michel to finally make Michel to finally make it. But of course, now he's not really his track record hasn't been. Sufficient, you know, he was always the person they hoped would, would step up. You know, Raul's not ready yet, etc. 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 So, I but I don't think that I don't think that that Perez is signing him for you know just a, just a year or two. I mean, that often happens at Real Madrid, but I think if uh Lopetegui can handle the whole Madrid thing, he'll be fine. He's good with the press, you know, he's good with the press, and that's the first thing you need at Real Madrid. It's so many, so I've seen so many Real Madrid coaches. Uh, lose it with lose their relationship with the press, and that's where it goes. That's where it goes wrong. You know, Mourinho particularly, you know, but people before him as well. Cape, Capello was a disaster in that sense. The whole, the whole public relations thing. You you've got to be so good at that now, and he's good at it. He get he's got the respect of the press. He's a straight talker. You know, he's he's, he's friendly when he wants to be, strict when he wants to be. He's got the respect of the players. He's a good man, manager. All the things you said about him. Uh, you can, and this thing about the flexibility of his systems, uh, you can either see that, you know, bottle half full or whatever. I mean, I personally think that that shows he's that he's a, he's a he's an open-minded coach. You know, maybe he's a bit horses for courses, but you know, you can take him the other way, and people can be too rigid. I mean, Real Madrid have had various rigid coaches in the past. In the recent past and um, there'll be criticized for that so you know which which way do you go i i, I think that he's experimental he's innovative and he's a thinker you know? his weakness might be just might be that he's a bit too much of a thinker you know he's a bit too cerebral in that sense in the end you know he might he might get found out but i think in the certainly in the short term, I think he'll he'll be fine. I don't think to be honest with you, you know why is he taking the job? Nobody's actually asked his question yet. I mean, he didn't have to say yes <laughs> He's 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 only been the Spanish coach for a year. I mean he could have said, "Well, look Florentino, thanks for asking me. I'm really flattered that you've asked me, but you know maybe maybe a couple more years with the with the national side and and then I'll think about it you know I mean Perez would have respected that, but uh he said yes. So he obviously feels prepared for it, and if he if he feels that he can do it, then I reckon he'll be fine. No, I I think the more I think about it, I think he's going to be it's a it's a, it's a good choice. It's left field, as you say. It's come out of nowhere. He wasn't the first choice, okay, but I think Pochettino was fading, and fading. I just Paris just didn't want to have to deal with with uh, Tottenham as president. You know, he's a hard he's a hard ball. He's a hard player. You know, and obviously there's no way he was going to get cropped So who else was there? Isn't there? I, I think th- it's a yeah. It's
1: cool. Well, I think dealing with Spurs also and Le- and Louis there, it's the track record with dealing with him is it just drags on. Like Modric and Bale were like the day before, you know, like <laughs> oh finally we got you after negotiating for eight months. Uh, and I and I don't think Pochettino would have been the same given that he was under contract and and they wanted you know money for him. But so yeah. I, I think that also definitely plays in, into consideration the the question of. Why did he take it? Is interesting, and I think to me it's it's almost simple enough to just say Real Madrid come knocking once in a lifetime. Uh, Obviously, that's not necessarily true. You know, they come back throughout the years, and you know, jobs open and close. But I hope at least Phil, as you know, you and I are both Spanish football fans, that this gives incentive for Lopetegui to really make sure he wins this tournament, because (laughs) this is if he wants to close his chapter on the national team, he wants to do it on a good note because to me i think if he does it on a bad note it's 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 just it's a bad look right now
0: yeah yeah i mean you're also right you know Real Madrid comes knocking one time but i i think that the only mistake you might have made by saying yes is that you know he then might be seen as the kind of coach who doesn't stay at one place long enough you know you wouldn't want to build that kind of curriculum up either you know that's the other thing Um, but as we said before it's not just that he only played he played one game when he played for the B team remember he he actually coached the B team as well and so he has you know he has had that experience uh, at Uh, maybe you know maybe Perez said look you're coming home you're coming home or something I don't know It's difficult to know (laughs) how the conversation went but he said yes you know and we can only speculate on why but yeah maybe you're right maybe it's just couldn't turn it down
1: um I wanted to throw some fan questions your way Yeah. Um, so we have a Patreon page Phil so how this works is people can pledge and donate to the podcast and they do if they pledge a certain amount they get guaranteed responses to their questions so patreon.com slash managing Madrid if you want to to support the show first patron question is from Jason Morrill he says what non-Spanish players are the biggest uh, beneficiaries of Lopetegui's appointment everyone is talking about how big this is for Isco and Asensio but obviously this squad consists of more than just the Spaniards. I have a feeling that we'll see Cruz's best season in a Real Madrid shirt. Yet personally, and I'm excited at the prospect of what Lopetegui brings to the table. A lot of people, Phil, are are bringing up this idea that Lopetegui will favor the Spanish players. Um, do you have any no. in- insights on this question?
0: Well, I don't see why. I, I, I don't don't see anything in... Lopetegui's background, or as a person that, that would suggest that, you know, he's—he's. He's, um, <laughs> don't forget, he's a Basque. You know, it's, uh, the Basques are different. <laughs> um, the Basques uh, have a history of a rather troubled relationship with the Madrid region. Lopetegui obviously isn't that. Isn't that kind of Basque, you know? But but I still say he's that. I still point that out for a reason because. You know, he's not. He died. He's not a guy like. he's not a guy like Benitez. He's not a guy who, who who feels as though he's coming home, culturally speaking. When I said he's coming home, he's he's coming home because he's been at the club. But you know, he's he's an outsider. You know, I, I don't I don't see any reason why he should be sort of favouring the Spanish-based players. I, I just see no reason for that at all. Um, just because he's been the national trainer for for a year doesn't. I don't think it makes any difference at all. I mean, he'll take players on there on their performances, on their records and the way they respond to his, what he wants. I just don't see any difference at all. really no no. I, I I can't see the point behind the question. So I don't I don't want to criticize the question, but I, I just don't see it. No. Basically no.
1: So uh I think I think that this may have been overblown. There is um there is a quote circulating on Twitter. About Lopetegui in 2015, apparently saying that he, uh, he didn't think Bale doesn't work hard enough, and that he would never be part of his team. Uh, and just a disclaimer, I guess, for everyone listening. Apparently, that that quote is fake. So, so I, I suppose there are certain. Well, ra- even yeah. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I was going to say even if it, even if it were. Well, it doesn't sound like a Lopetegui kind of quote, you know, because again, he's very discreet. He doesn't make those kind of statements. So, yeah, yeah I was going to say even if it weren't, but that just doesn't sound like a Lopetegui statement. And that's another thing I like about him: he's he's discreet and he's clever and he's uh, he's very straight with the press. And but they and they like him for it, you know. Uh, he's not hee hee ha with him, but uh, no, I I don't think that uh, Bale starts. Everybody starts. I think everybody starts from zero with him. He'll say that to them. That's exactly what he's saying. We we all start from zero. And I guess for someone like Bale, it's actually good news, you know, because, uh, uh, well, I guess it was good news for Bale when Zidane went because I personally think that Zidane had lost faith in him despite what they say on the social media. I did I did feel that, and I think that was the reason for Bale wanting to go. I think Bale would be quite interested by, um, by uh arrival I don't think Tony and I don't think Tony Cross, someone like Tony Cross has got anything to fear at all. You know, he's still the crux of the side to me. You know, I, I can't see that Lopetegui will think anything different. You know, Marcelo, why why would why would think that Marcelo uh, was a problem for Real Madrid unless, you know, he's just getting a bit older now and whatever. But you know, I just don't see that it's an issue really.
1: Yeah, I, I feel as a real Madrid fan I I feel excitement for for almost everybody, um, because I think Lopetegi is versatile, and I think what does... I mean, like, Real Madrid is filled with direct attacking footballers who can hold possession, um, which is what Lopetegi likes to do. And I also think um, I'm excited for some of the younger players. Uh, I, I agree with you that I think in many ways everyone will start from zero, but I think what a lot of us were worried about after Zidane left is will we get a coach that cares about the young players and long term projects and stuff like that, because Zidane really cared about that stuff. So that's why Guti, even despite his inexperience, was was an interesting idea. Whereas someone like let's say, I don't know, Sari, is probably gonna be here for like one year or two years. Would he care about developing young players? lopetegi would care. And I think he, he's already taken a lot of these players under his wing, you know, in, in different levels. Someone like Ceballos who we've never seen, maybe we see more. Maybe, I don't know. Um, Vallejo has experience playing in a three man back line. Maybe we see more of that. I don't so I I'm kind of just excited about it. It's a bit unknown and I think the unknown excites me in a way.
0: Well now that's a good point. You now that's a good point that he's he's worked with because of his because of his experience at the at the at the um Spanish on the twenty one side. Was it on the twenty one side? Yeah. and his experience of bringing those players through, absolutely, I, I should have mentioned that. Um, he knows them very well. You know. um, yeah, he, they, he was he was responsible for that. That you know, Ilhamendi as well. You know, Aramendi, he Isco, that lot. They all came through with him. So you know, again, uh, if if, the, if your questioner is suggesting that you know his relationship with them somehow makes him favour them, well, okay. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's he wouldn't be he wouldn't be as dumb as that. You know, and if you look at his you know, if you look at asensio for example is a good maybe a good example um, he, he's by no means made Asensio uh, uh, a starter you know for spain since uh, yeah. since since he's gone he's, Asensio's always in the squad but he's he's not on there he's got to work he's got to work for his supper as we say in english you know um and he'll have to work for his supper in uh, in madrid as well uh, assuming that as you said before, assuming that Bale stays, you know, I mean, it's. I think that the problem for Lopetegui is going to be sorting out the old, the old canard now about the the BBC. <laughs> Whatever happens to that in the next couple of months, I mean, again, what's the, what's the impact of Lopetegui's arrival going to mean in terms of the BBC, in terms of Ronaldo to start with, and also the whole, you know the Benzema question. Um, the BBC obviously, the longer, it's, the longer it hangs around, still restricts the possibilities of Asensio to be starting most games. Esco as well, and so you've got those two camps in Madrid, haven't you? The, the sort of keeping the older guys, keeping keeping Benz in there, but or getting rid of him and starting anew, and, and just putting faith in the, the other players that are around, and maybe bringing in a couple of players who would who would complement that. There's new ones, if you like. You know. So that's also to be discussed. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it will be discussed a lot over the next few days.
1: Um, you're going to like this question. It's okay uh, from a patron named Ramin Nagy. He says, What is the likelihood of Audrey Zola and Kepa signing for Real Madrid has sh- um, and has it surely risen? He did pick Audrey Zola ahead of Cirque Roberto on the Spanish national team. Despite Roberto having a fantastic season, and the only reason I'm kind of poking poking this at you is because I know you you would hate this scenario to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's it's interesting from a lot of points of view. And obviously, I played with my son. You know, it's weird because when he was younger, he didn't seem that exceptional. He was good, but I never thought this would happen it happened very quickly. He lives just down the road from where I'm speaking. Wow, about two hundred meters. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, his parents own a bar called Bernardini, which is. Um, Which is uh, like just down the road. It's really nice bar opposite the hotel. We often go there. He's often hanging around there. I mean, not drinking. (laughs) This is
1: fascinating. This is this podcast just got really interesting.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's a very clean living boy, you know. Yeah, he played to my son in the uh, feeder side. Um, uh, same age, you know. Um, and, uh, of course, I hope he doesn't go, but there is a, there is an interesting aspect from Real Sofidad's point of view. They'd get 40 million for him for a start, which is, which would be nice. Um, and Real Sofidad, they've got another two right backs, full backs. They, they're, they're getting a uh, Zaldúa back who's been loaned, for, loaned out to, um Leganes, and he's a fine player. And they've got a guy called Gorosavo coming up through the, through the ranks who's also very useful. So, uh, we would we don't want to lose him, but then again, the one the slight problem with Andrea Soto is that he's a fantastic attacking defender, but at the moment he hasn't quite uh, honed those defensive instincts. You probably noticed in the two friendlies that Piquet was getting annoyed with him for for not keeping his position uh, well enough, and uh, there was a little issue about that in you know, Russell uh, didn't have a great defensive record this season. They had a good goal scoring record, which is very much helped by Andrea Fiola's play down the wing. So so um he's he's by no means a guaranteed starter, even though Carvajal's still injured and probably won't play against Portugal. And I think that Lopateghi knows that. So um Lopetigui would have to decide what kind of style he wants. I think Atraf apparently is gonna go on loan now. He's got he's got Carvajal. The only problem with Carvajal is fitness I mean I would always start Kavakal before Otholev, uh, in terms of experience and also in terms of his defensive abilities but, uh, so it's going to be interesting you know uh, if Audrey Fela doesn't go to Madrid because Lopetegui doesn't quite trust him defensively then where's he going to go we might go to Barca Sergio Roberto can play in different positions, you know, someone's going to sign him. <laughs> someone's going to get him if Madrid don't... And usually Madrid sign people if they think, you know, if we don't sign him, someone else will. So, I think he's... I think personally, I, I just, you know, I've got a few deep throats here and people tell me that he's he's practically been signed. You know, that's an exclusive for you. You know, I mean, that, I can't say that definitively, but, but uh, you know, even before Lopetegui took over, he's very much going in Madrid's direction and not Barca's direction possibly because
1: of the well,
0: Kavachal can't be trusted to, you know do, the fitness problems of Kavachal basically
1: well interesting and maybe under talked about in this case is that Ashraf's contract ends in July and yeah. there has been zero talk about his renewal so yeah I mean to me those kind those things are a bit linked to, to be honest but I mean we'll see
0: He's a decent player, you know, but I, I think sure. that uh, what we're talking about him, you're talking about maybe giving him another year and loaning him out, you know, he hasn't had enough first team. Uh. Your, other, your other question was Kepper, of course, which is also a right. vast question. Um, well, I, I feel sorry for Kepper, you know, because he, he had a great season, and as soon as the whole Madrid thing broke out, uh, he started to suffer a bit. His form suffered, and uh, he didn't have a great last ten games, let's say, so. But that—that's the way that—that's the way modern media reacts, isn't it? It's as if suddenly he's not a good goalkeeper. <laughs> Which is ludicrous, because he is. Um, will they sign him? Well, you know, there's all talk about De Gea comes up every month, doesn't he? De Gea, and, and will they get him? Will they not? I personally don't think they will. I personally think Keller Navas is absolutely fine, and I think they should stick with him and be confident with him. Um, I think that, I think that uh, they've got cold feet about Kepa, but with the Lopetegui arrival, something might, you know, something might happen. I think that Kepa is not liked quite so much at Athletic anymore and that's a big thing. When that happens at Athletic, people tend to want want out. You know, it happened to um, uh, Llorente, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Athletic fans are very, very, very they're wonderful with their players but when anybody does what Kepa did, it's not Kepa's fault But showed signs of leaving, they they tend to turn their backs on them and it can get very difficult for them in Bilbao. and, and Lopetegui digging knows that as well. So I think I think that one that's one that's a possibility. That might be revived. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for, you know, Garcia. I feel a bit sorry for him. He never seems to be the guy who's waiting in the wings who'll be eventually the number one. But that's the way it goes. You know, Real Madrid's a difficult club to to stay at, you know.
1: Well, I think the reality is that I'm not sure that Casilla was just good enough, <laughs> so I don't know I if any Madrid fans will cry or if uh, you know, unfortunately for him. But um,
0: I agree. yeah, I think if Kepper went, I think if Kepper was to be signed, then I think he would, he would, he would move, he would go, you know, definitely, <coughs> and uh, he would probably forge himself a decent career at a at a half decent first division side. Yeah, I
1: agree with you. Question from Blake Brown. He says, "So is Raul Lopetegui a?" a good hire will this just be a transition coach for us i think that the transition part is the one the part we can take i think we talked about the other part um i don't know about you phil but to me this idea of hiring a transition coach is is in this situation is not a real thing like i think lopetegui i doubt florentino hired lopetegui with the thought of he's going to fail i just need somebody um (laughs) you know what i mean i
0: haven't seen i haven't seen the terms of his contract I'm not sure if anybody has yet mm. um, uh i suspect it will be a stand, standard two three year job you know and renewable whatever um no i, I don't think Perez actually you know ever really makes those kind of um, appointments the only time he's done that uh has been for you know other reasons, pragmatic reasons, if you like. But uh, um, I think when he took on Zidane, he wanted Zidane to stay for life, as it were. I think when he when he took on Mourinho, he knew that he knew that he was getting a volatile guy, but he wanted that at the time because you have to look back. You have to look back at why he signs people. If you look at Mourinho, for example, he knew that wouldn't last any longer than three years, but he wanted Mourinho in there because he wanted someone to just. Get you know, get at Barcelona's goat. You wanted to get at their throats, and he knew that Mourinho would do that. And Mourinho did that for him. You know, whether Madrid, whether historically, he's looked back on as a success or a failure. So he never, he never signs people thinking that they're going to be there for a year. You know, uh, if that's happened, then that's just happened. It's just because of those, those sort of the Benitez thing, for example. Benitez again, you know, when he came back, you know, marker all the newspapers again. You know, he's the boy's come home, he's come home. You know, Benitez crying at the press conference, uh, and Benitez is seen as a cold guy. You know, Benitez was seen as assigning for the next five, six years, you know, to, to reconstruct the club, blah, blah, blah. He lasted six months, you know. <laughs> so I, I don't think Perez assigned him as a transition. No, not at all, not at all. I mean, I know why your question is asking that. Because he's been kind of signed on the rebound, if you like, you know. Because the guy he really wanted, Pochettino, is not available. But I, I still think that a guy of Lopetegui's status, there's no way he'd be signed for just a year or two. No, no, no. I think he, I think he wants him to stay as long as possible, and that's what he wanted with Zidane. Yeah, he got three years out of Zidane almost. Um, that's longer than a lot of trainers stay. But they, they need they Real Madrid do do desperately need some kind of stability though in that position it, it, to add to your questioner's question and that has been a, a problem with them i think since the millennium they, they do they do need to try and settle and i think that that's why everybody was so devastated once he went you know? even though there were questions about him nobody's perfect
1: <laughs> well i don't think um i don't see lopetegi as a as a person that would. Would come short term or be volatile, or, uh, or I th- I think th- I think Lopetegui is unlikely to fail, and I think if if people are bringing up the Porto days and whatnot, I really do feel that despite club football being harder to coach than, than national team football in many ways, I think the sample size of the more recent national team is better to gauge Lobategui by. Um, and I right. think he's done fantastic right. with, you know, after Del Bosque. And I think the reason, the, 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 the pure reason that he's already so well connected to Ramos, Asensio, Vasquez, Isco, and Carbajal, yeah. and so forth, I think that makes him a safer choice than many people realize.
0: The, the, the real key, you, you've got it. The real key to this is that Perez has realized finally that the most important quality for a coach of Real Madrid, is man management. And and for all the, you know, for all the criticisms that were made, you know, about Zidane's tactical awareness, about his choices often of players, and his, when you look at it, when you look at his success, it, it was totally, totally, totally his ability to man manage, the respect the players had for him, even though, you know, someone had played with him. Um, and he's just, that the way he just sat at that first press conference and he was just so relaxed and the way <laughs> the way he dealt with the press was brilliant, you know, and he just got, he got crossed once or twice and he's a difficult kind of guy, actually, he's a more complex guy than he appears, He done, but the ability to manage the egos in that club and there's always, you're always going to have that problem at Real Madrid and at Barcelona and that's what Valverde has done very well. Valverde has done very well at Barcelona. He did it much better than Luis Enrique. Luis Enrique was an interesting character, but a volatile character and in the end, you know there were people that didn't like him. He had that problem with Messi to begin with. What Perez is trying to avoid now, he's beginning to realize, is that he needs a guy who can who can manage big names. And Lopetegui's already proved that, and that's the key. You've he, absolutely got it right. He said it before me. Uh, Lopetegui can manage big names. He doesn't take crap from anybody. Uh, but he's not. But he's not a capello. You know, he's he's not a everybody's got to be in bed by ten o'clock at night sort of guy. He's, he's intelligent enough to. Uh, to handle and all i think and uh, in that sense he's a very good choice
1: um a question from chris g he says i've read a couple of articles talking about the madrid manager the Madrid manager job being an impossible one for the next manager i tend to believe that too but do you guys think that's why some coaches withdrew their names from consideration for the job
0: no i don't think so and i don't think that <coughs> I don't think anybody well, It's like you said, you know, Madrid only come <clears throat> calling once. and uh, It's not an impossible job. It's what's, what the most, the most difficult aspect of, of, of uh, coaching Real Madrid is the, the whole, the whole scene. There's a great phrase in Spanish, uh, El tinglado. It's very difficult to translate. El tinglado. they call it. tinglado. It's almost impossible to translate that, but it means the whole kind of scene that's associated with Real Madrid. And, First of all, of course, that's the press. Secondly, if you like it, it's handling all those big names, and it's also handling Perez. It's keeping him happy as well, and it's handling all the expectations. Um, it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. I, 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 what happens nowadays in any high-profile club, and and if you like, that's just about the highest you're going to get. Is you you know you just got pressure from all over the place, and you. You just have to learn how to do it. You've got various people to help you, of course. And I, you know, I insist. I, I think Zidane dealt with it really well. Zidane maybe had a better, if you like, a better start than Lopetegui in the sense that you know he he had that smooth transition. He, he as player, then you know B team, and then coming up to um the full team and the status, obviously, that he had in the club. Lopetegui doesn't start with that status in the club. He starts with status, hopefully, as you say, not tanking in the World Cup. But uh, I don't think it's, in any sense, uh, an impossible job. No more impossible than the Barcelona club, for example. It's the same pressure. You, you can't get away with it. Look at PSG. All these clubs, you know, all these clubs, the same pressure is exerted. But at Madrid, it's a particularly tough one with, with the media. But I insist, he's good with the media. Paris knows that.
1: So I have one last question to throw at you. And uh, this will actually take a, take us away from this entire topic of Lopetegui. Okay. And it's from Ian Marley. And I'd be interested to know your thoughts on this. So Ian says, Hi, guys. I had a topic that would be good to discuss on the podcast. It has to do with the signing of young talents and prospects by any of the big European clubs. I recently started thinking of the huge sums of money some of these prospects are tempted with or are actually being paid when they are approached or signed by big clubs? Does anyone share the notion that being given too much too soon reduces the hunger of some of these prospects in terms of trying to be the very best footballers because they might be swayed by lavish lifestyles? I will humbly say that I may not have the faintest idea of how it feels to be them, but prospects signed for or paid relative huge amounts of money and thrust into the spotlight often in my opinion experience a stunt in their growth due to the pressures to succeed does anyone feel like our club might risk stunting the growth of any of the upcoming prospects such as Vinicius Jr., Odegaard or potentially Rodrigo what are your thoughts on this?
0: Well my thoughts on it are obviously that <laughs> it's a rather boring response but but I would say that you know, it depends on the individual, but then again, there are other factors which uh, can can you know vary or condition that, if you like. I mean, if you Vinicius I'm not sure, but uh, if you look at Odegaard, for example, it's very clear that he's failed in inverted commas. He hasn't failed yet, but but there are, there are two reasons. I mean, it wasn't the money in in, in Odegaard's case. It was simply the fact that you know he's. Father was a pain in the neck, and you know, fathers as agents are always a problem, you know, and all the demands he made, and all this expectation that was, that was uh, again, the, it's, it's the press, and so you know, but someone like Odegaard just needs to be sat down and told, look, this, this is going to happen, okay? React like this, you know, don't don't play the spoiled kid, da da da, you know, and someone didn't, nobody told Odegaard that. Um, and that's why it's failed. But there are lots and lots of other cases you don't get to see where that doesn't happen. And so, it, obviously, money can can you know twist your personality at that age, and it can send you the wrong way. But I think that I think that's less the case than before. Actually, strangely enough, because if you look at if you look at the past, where in some ways the the gap was greater between your George Bests and your other players, then. Uh, it was often um, it was often in the past even more of a problem because because those players uh, didn't have the same support structures in in place that clubs do have now supposedly or allegedly have them. Well, they do have them you know, I know they have them. You, know, you take a big club and it's just, it's got a whole army of personnel who are who are employed to stop that kind of thing happening. Why it, why it happened in the case, for example, was that again the, his family background and the, the, the expectations and his father, et cetera, et cetera, uh, making all the wrong demands just nullifies all that personnel, if you like. You know, uh, Neymar's another interesting um, question, isn't it? Nobody's brought up Neymar yet on this podcast. Is Neymar, will Neymar now go to Real Madrid or not? It, again, it might well, was he going in a way? Anyway, we don't know. But I'm, I'm talking about Neymar in terms of the, the spoiled brat kind of idea that your your question is talking about. And um, I think I, I don't personally. I, mean, I don't I don't know Neymar personally, but things about him I don't like. Things about his behaviour I don't like on the pitch, off the pitch, etc. And I think that I think he's a kind of problem for the for clubs. And I think that it might have it might be the case as your as your question is saying that at some point in Neymar's development, you know, someone just didn't really say to him, "Look, this is going to happen." You know, don't be a don't be a bit of a dick, you know. And uh, again, you've got the Neymar factor with his his father as an agent. You know, I, I can't say that's almost a factor, but but that's what I mean. It, it depends on the individual and, and the kind of upbringing he's had and how he's. How he's been taught to expect what will happen, but yeah, you look at young players like Asensio. You know, there's no way he's been affected by that. You know, the guy works his works his butt off. You know, he's it's not going to make any difference to him. It doesn't make any difference to a lot of players. And um, you know, money's money. I, it can. I, it is shocking the amount of money that even young players earn. I mean, I know I know how much they earn because again, my son has my son came up through the ranks at Real Sociedad, and so I. I his mates now, some of his mates who are playing in other clubs, I won't name them, but they're not big names, but they're earning an astonishing amount of money compared to what my son's earning, you know what I mean? And so that can that can turn you as well. You don't have to be getting multi-millions to, for that to turn your lifestyle. But I think to answer, your, answer the question better, uh, if a club, and it should have, it should have the personnel in there and it should have these kind of questions... Um, Already answered, and when the when the the player comes to the club, they should have it. I think you know, again to go back to Odegaard, they they were just desperate about him. They were just desperate about him and his whole the whole circus that came along with him. And uh, I think they they might well have given up on him. You know, he's 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 playing in the uh, Dutch league at the moment, isn't he? He's doing okay, but I I, I feel that, that that was a possibly potentially great player who's been ruined by what your questioner is asking. If it is just, I'm I'm not sure again, the the press are talking him up maybe too much. He seems a bit of a I don't know, seems a bit of an overconfident young chap, but you know, we'll see. I think it depends on the individual. I just don't think you can generalise. And I I don't think it's any different from the past in that sense.
1: Well certainly I think it it would be hard to generalize. I think I think there is an effect one way or the other. It probably depends on also external factors. Who was the coach? What is the attitude and the grooming of his surrounding players and the manager and stuff and how the the kid was raised. I will say about Vinicius, I think uh none of us really know him that well apart from highlights and stuff because we're so yeah. immersed covering Spanish football. He's like what 16, 17 now and I think um uh there was a nice clip of him crying uh in his what seemed to be his last game for 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 Flamengo and uh and he he did seem like a, a very humble kid. And I think what I will say about Odegaard is that He's still 19. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that was, I guess some of the narratives were against him seemed a bit unfair to me. And uh, I've had, you know, just because I've uh, I've been writing about him regularly throughout the last year or two, uh, because one of the things I do is I, I take, I, I kind of look ahead of time to schedule and see where all the Real Madrid players are loan, what time they're playing and I, and I write about them just to give our readers an update. And he's doing well. I mean, like, he's not... I I wouldn't write him off yet. He's still 19. Um, And it's not inconceivable that, you know, these players will still have a great career. Um, Because, you know, we think Odegaard's been around forever, but he's he's still a teenager, technically. So I think... um, But it is... I think a lot of this does have to do with the surrounding environment of certain players. And I think that will definitely have an effect... uh, you know, as the money will, but the, you know, the surrounding factors will certainly have an effect as well.
0: Yeah, uh, there's, there's the old thing, isn't, isn't there, as well, you know, that they, they used to say that, you know, a player like Johan Cruyff, who's, you know, whose mother was, used to clean out the toilets at the club and, uh, you know, from a working class background, he, you know, the, the the kind of players who who saw their parents struggle and who, you know, there was this idea that you know, the working class boy would always would always be good, didn't, didn't matter what, how much money he earned, et cetera, and, uh, as opposed to a sort of more middle class. But there weren't that many middle class players around anyway. But I think that, um, you know, those kind of social distinctions have, have, uh, have started to fade a little bit as well. So I think it's, as you say, it's not, it's not a question of what social class or how difficult it's or how hungry they are, you know. Unless they've been in very, very, very very extreme circumstances, you know, I mean, it's uh, some African players, for example, or South American players often often come from those backgrounds. But it, again, it's not a guarantee that they're going to be hungrier than the, than the guy who's come up to an academy more, more comfortably and never, and never seen any financial hardships either for himself or his family. I think it's, it's more of an even playing field now. So as you say, I think the conditions are more determined by the kind of personnel and the structure that the, the club has in place right
1: yeah yeah um phil phil well, this was an absolute pleasure it was a ton of fun i appreciate you doing this um i know it's getting late in spain although i got, i guess people in spain don't really go to bed early or anything but uh, uh
0: no, we, we eat supper uh, like now i yeah. yeah. was
1: not yeah so so yeah. so i should i should probably just let you go eat your supper whatever it may <laughs> be but Um, At any rate, uh, well, one, I do know they have good food up in San Sebastian, although I haven't been up there yet. But um, I want to say thank you, Phil. Thank you so much for doing this. It, it, It was a lot of fun.
0: No, thank you very much. Thank you very much for asking. My pleasure. No problem.
1: one offer per account offer subject to change 12.99 per month value offer valid for new amazon prime members metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some t-mobile customers video at 4 p. capable device required see store for details and terms and conditions